0: So turning your Bibles to Colossians 4, Colossians 4, and um, we are going to look at verses 7 through 11. Paul's partners in ministry. Thankfully, they're not partners in crime, but partners in ministry. And we'll look at five this evening and three next week before we close the book the following week. Have you ever read the New Testament? I hope you have and looked at the Apostle Paul's life and wondered how he did all he did where he got the energy and the wherewithal to pastor all the churches, find all these churches, and um, go on all the journeys he wrote, not to mention all the letters that he has left for us. Um, and that list really does not include, I think, of all of his uh, hardships, his sufferings, his stonings, his imprisonment, his going without food, going without sleep, uh, being naked in the sea, floating around. I mean, you look at all this stuff that Paul did and you think, how in the world did this man do all this? And even in our day and age, I was thinking of this today today. Of John MacArthur, and all the the books he 's written and his impact with his uh, audio ministry and uh, all the things that he 's done, and you think, where in the world uh, does this man who 's uh, seventy five now I think get this type of energy to do all these things and I think we have to answer the question we know paul couldn 't do anything without the help of the Lord. But he also couldn't do anything without the help of other men that helped him in the ministry. And sometimes we forget that there are many men and women Behind the scenes, um, helping these men of the faith that are teaching and instructing not only in the New Testament times, but also even in our world today. And many times these people go unrecognized, there's no recognition. But I like the fact that as the Apostle Paul is winding down his letter to the church at Colossae, he wants to give honor to whom honor is due. And he wants to talk about eight partners that he had in the ministry with him. And I was thinking about this in light of our lesson last week, where we looked at the importance of sharing the gospel by praying for them and speaking to them and going after them. And you know, when you think about it, going out by yourself isn't a lot of fun, right? Uh, To share the gospel. And I think Christ had so much wisdom when he sent out the seventy disciples by two, two by two. And I've often thought about this with Deb travel. She travels with me. And uh, it's a comfort to have another person with you. And so uh, in thinking about our lesson last week about the gospel and here, Paul, he has these guys that are with him and their co laborers in the ministry with him. And what a blessing it is. And ladies, as we go through this lesson tonight, we need to remember these are not just names in your Bible that you can't pronounce. These are real men with real God-given qualities that God gave to them for his glory and to be partners in ministry with Paul. And so let's read verses 7 through 11, and we will look at these men this evening. Notice what Paul says in verse 7. All my state, Celticicus, declare unto you his a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord, whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose that he might know your state and comfort your hearts. With Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they will make known to you all things which are happening here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greet you with Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, about whom you receive instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called justice, these are my only fellow workers for the kingdom of God who are of the circumcision. They have proved to be a comfort to me. Now, let's look at the first helper of Paul from verse 7. His name is Tychicus. And his name is actually, it means fortunate. Uh, he was a Gentile from the providence of Asia, as well as a convert that went with Paul. Paul took him to Jerusalem with him. I hope you did your homework because it certainly will help you to understand more about who these men are. He evidently had spent some time with Paul in prison during his first uh, Roman imprisonment. He was with Paul when Paul was arrested. And put in prison. And more than likely. He also witnessed the riot. In Acts 20. Remember when Paul went into Ephesus. And there was a the great mob. And they were crying out. Great is, great is Diana. Great is Diana. And uh, this guy was with Paul. Tychicus was with him at this time. And he also was the one who delivered this particular letter. The epistle to the Colossians. To the church at Colossae. Along with Onesimus. Which we'll talk about in just a minute. Now. As we think about Tychicus, there are three things that Paul wants his readers to know about this man. First of all, he is a beloved brother. That means he's dear to Paul. Uh, He was a Christian. If you remember, we already had this word beloved. It means loved now and forever. Love now and forever. And I was thinking about this today. Isn't it going to be cool? I was thinking about the people that have co-labored with me in ministry. I mean, I love them now, but I'm going to love them forever and all eternity. And they're going to have to love me, too. So, uh, But we're loved now and forever. And isn't that the joy of being Christians? And so uh, Tychicus was man, a man who was beloved to Paul. Secondly, he says he's a faithful minister. You know what that means? He was a trustworthy table waiter. He was just a table waiter. Um, In fact, if you did your homework, you notice from Timothy and Titus, he just went wherever Paul sent him. Sure, you want me to do that? I'll do that. I'll be a table waiter. And I think about this, ladies. You know, faithfulness is a must for all of us who say we're God's children. We should be faithful table waiters. In fact, Paul tells young Timothy, he says, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you've heard from me, young Timothy, I want you to pass on to faithful men. And so it's important then when we pass on and we disciple that we pass on to faithful men, faithful women. And so Paul wanted faithful people in ministry with him. And I have to tell you as, um, uh, involved in women's ministries that is the number one thing that I look for when looking for a woman to lead a table or to be on the women's council or any of those other things is someone who is faithful someone that I can depend on someone that is trustworthy and uh, ladies it's not just because I'm a stickler but you know God looks at faithfulness pretty highly too and uh, hopefully each one of you in this room are going to hear on that day well good well done good and what faithful servant be faithful and so ladies whatever god's called you to do whether it's a teaching ministry whether it's sunday school whether it's a nursery be faithful that is a huge uh, responsibility and uh, something that god looks highly upon someone once said the greatest ability in the world is dependability isn't that true there's isn't it hard to find people that are dependable anymore um, you know, uh, people don't show up on time when they say they're going to or deliver your goods when they say they're going to. And so we as Christians of all people should be faithful, should be dependable. And Tychicus evidenced this character quality as Paul could trust him to carry the letter uh, and others, even the uh, epistle to the Ephesians and the epistle to Philemon. He carried all three of these letters. And so he was a faithful guy. Thirdly, He was a fellow servant. What does that mean? He was a co-slave. He was a slave. Now, ladies, I know some of you right now are probably bristling. Susan, don't call me a slave. I know that is not a popular term in the 21st century. But my friend, when you embrace Christ as Lord and Master, do you know that's exactly what you became? You became a slave, right? I see one of you shaking your head yes. You were to deny yourself, take up your cross, follow him. You're a slave. And uh, so that's what we are. Antichicus was a slave. I know some of us think that we are the captain of our own ship, but ladies, we are not. We are slaves of Christ. Well, Paul then adds about this guy. He says, When he comes, he'll tell you all the news about me. What's he saying? When Tychicus comes with the letter that I'm sitting here in prison writing the epistle to the Colossians, he's going to tell you what's going on with me, how I am. And ladies, think about it. If your pastor was in prison because he was sharing the gospel, wouldn't you like to know how he was doing? Maybe you're saying, well, my pastor could just stay in prison, but... um, but wouldn't you want to know how he was faring? I mean, if Doug got, uh, you know, put in prison for sharing the gospel, I think we'd want to know, how's he doing? How's he getting along? And we have to remember, in our day, you know, I could just call the Tulsa County Jail or I could go visit. But in Paul's day, that would have been impossible. And so Tychicus here, he's here with Paul. Uh, He's waiting for Paul to get done with this epistle so he can take it back to the church. And so he says, when he comes and he brings this letter, he's going to tell you how things are going with me. And so what an encouragement, Uh, what a great role model this man is for all of us, a slave, a servant, uh, just a great guy. Well, he goes on to give some more qualities about this guy. Look at verse eight. He says, I'm sending him to you for this very purpose so that he can know your circumstances and comfort your hearts so paul says i'm sending him here he's going to travel uh he not only traveled from colossae to rome which shows his faithfulness but he's going to travel back and take this epistle back to the church at colossae and ladies we need to remember that traveling in those days was no picnic uh you couldn't catch the next flight uh on southwest airlines and have free peanuts and all that stuff i mean it was not a picnic traveling in those days um when Paul writes about his travels in Second Corinthians, you don't read that he basked in the sun on the island of Waikiki. Uh, that was not what a missionary journey was to the Apostle Paul. In fact, he talks about the fact that three times he was beaten with rods. Once he was stoned, a night and a day he was in the deep, journeys often. he talks about perils among false brethren, perils in the wilderness, perils in the city. I mean, they would be attacked usually by wild animals. He talks about being uh, open and naked in the sea, floating around, uh, cold and naked, thirsty, fasting. And, I mean, I don't know about you, but would you like to go on a journey with the Apostle Paul? I mean, does that sound like fun to you? Uh, It's not like going to Cancun or the Fiji Islands. I mean... That is not what a trip would be like with the Apostle Paul. And so, but Tychicus was willing to do that. And um, evidently, he would experience the same dangers that Paul experienced. And not only that, uh, but Tychicus would be away from his family and his friends. And so this was a huge sacrifice. He would travel by foot. Just like Paul did, maybe some by boat, but even then um, it was not a picnic. It wasn't like the carnival cruises when you went on boat. It wasn't any anything of that substance. And so, ladies, we see Tycheca's servant Hardy made the long journey from Classe to Rome with this letter in hand. And my friend, it was no short distance—one thousand miles. How would you lock? Like? I read, I heard today on the news that some of the teachers have walked from Tulsa to Oklahoma City. This last week, that's a hundred miles. Now, how would you like to do that ten times? by foot? No bicycles, you know, a thousand miles. And by the way, this is not the only letter he delivered. Like I said, he delivered the epistle to the Ephesians. He delivered the epistle to Philemon and one to Laodicea that we're going to see about. You might say, what's the, we don't have the book of Laodicea. Well, you'll have to come back to find out about that. But he delivered that one as well. And so that's probably why Paul speaks so highly of him, of Tychicus. And it's probably why he mentions, as he's closing his letter, probably why he mentions Tychicus first is because this guy really was a servant. He was a slave. He really probably literally would lay down his life for the apostle Paul. Now, Paul mentions a reason why he sent him. Notice what he says. First of all, he says, I want to know your circumstances. I'm sitting here in prison. I don't know how you guys are doing. And so I'm sending him back because I want to know how you're doing. Ladies, that is selfless, isn't it? Paul's sitting there in prison, chained to a Roman soldier, and he's more concerned about the church at Colossae than he is his own imprisonment. I'm sending him. I want to know how you're doing. And I thought that was really interesting because Paul is not focused on his own needs He's focused on their needs. And ladies, we can learn a lesson from Paul. Um, As we go through trials of life, some of you might feel like you're chained, especially if your kids are out of school for two weeks now. But uh, even in your own trials and difficulties, you know, I often counsel women who go through difficult trials, get out of yourself. Do something for someone else, and that will get you out of your depression uh, or your sorrow or your loneliness. And so um, we see that Tychicus, uh, pro, I mean, Paul, is doing that. Secondly, notice he sends him to comfort them, to comfort them. Paul had already mentioned, if you remember in Colossians chapter two, where he says, I wish that you knew what great conflict I have for you, and for them that's layable to see, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that I would be comforted. I want to comfort you. And so Paul wanted to comfort them, he wanted to console them. And so Paul says, I'm sending him to you. I can't be there, but he can and he will comfort you. Now, ladies, we know the dear Holy Spirit is a comfort to us, and I am thankful for the Holy Spirit, but I'm also thankful for uh, others who are a comfort, and um, in fact, I remember several months ago when Hurricane Harvey hit Houston, and I was on the phone with my daughter, and we didn't know if they were going to have to evacuate their house, and I was concerned about my four grandkids, and Uh, They had a plan if they could, you know, float down the, you know, sidewalk and out in the street. And and I remember hanging up the phone and feeling so overwhelmed and helpless because here I was in Tulsa, and they weren't letting anyone, you know, you couldn't drive and get past Dallas at that time. And I wanted to comfort her, and uh, I couldn't do it. I was too far away. And I was thinking about Paul. He's sitting there in prison and he feels helpless. He wants to comfort the church at Colossae, but he can't get to them. But he sends this minister, this minister, this minister Tychicus, to help them and to encourage them. And I'm sure Paul would be anxiously awaiting to hear back from Tychicus. You know, how's the church doing? Um, and I'm sure that Tychicus coming with this epistle would be of great comfort to the church. And I thought about this. I thought, in what way would Tychicus be a comfort to them as he shows up with this letter? And I thought, well, if my church was uh, infiltrated with false teaching, uh, it would be a comfort to have this epistle from Paul because he lays forth. Uh, First of all, how he's praying for them, but then the dangers of Gnosticism and what to look for in Gnostic teaching, how to avoid Gnostic teaching, uh, how to put off sin, how to put on righteousness, how to get along with your husband and uh, how to parent your kids and uh, what to do in a slave master relationship, how to share the gospel. I don't know about you. But that's comforting. That is encouraging that my pastor would care enough to send a letter and bring it with a messenger a thousand miles to me. Like, I don't know what to do. False teaching has overtaken my church. And so Paul lays it out in four chapters, rich, but they are full of comfort and hope. And so what a blessing this man was, Tychicus, that he would take this letter and take it to the church at Colossae. Ladies, the Lord used Tychicus as part of the divine plan for the Apostle Paul's ministry. And we must remember... There are men and women, uh, even in this church, uh, that make things happen on Tuesday night. I mean, Valma comes and does the recording and, and uh, you know, we come and put the water out and that's not a big deal. But, um, you know, things are going on, even on Sundays, things go on. And if you go to another church, and many of you do, you know the same thing. Uh, many people are behind the scenes uh, making a worship service happen or an event happen. And I hope, and I want to say it again. We all should be using our talents and our gifts for the edification of the saints and the glory of God. Whatever they are, you need to be using them. Now, Tychicus did not travel alone, but Paul had a companion with him, a runaway slave. And so Paul mentions the second partner in ministry in verse 9. He says, With Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother who is one of you, they together. We'll make known to you all things which are happening here. Now, Onesimus, we studied a few weeks ago when we were in the master-slave relationship. His name means profitable. And if you will recall, he was a runaway slave. He was a slave of Philemon. And evidently he ran away. We don't know if he stole something. More than likely he did because Paul says, if he, if he owes you anything, put that on my account. When I come, I will repay it. And by the way, if a slave ran away um, in the biblical world, that was punishable by death. He could have been killed according to Roman law. Um, as we learned a few weeks ago, Onesimus met the apostle Paul. He became a Christian. And traveled some with him. And Tychicus and Onesimus together were going to take this epistle back to the church at Colossae. Now, this man who was once unprofitable is now profitable. Ladies, is that encouraging? His name was profitable. He was once unprofitable. Now he's profitable. And I don't know about you, but that is encouraging to me because you know sometimes you look at people and you know really i don't think they'd be very profitable but isn't it great to know that we're changed from glory to glory even as by the spirit of the lord and so uh, many of us who have been unprofitable are hopefully now profitable paul also says he's faithful he's faithful and beloved um, we won't talk about those those are the same two qualities he's mentioned about tychicus however Paul does not mention, very interesting, if you look carefully, he does not mention that Onesimus was a fellow servant. Now, you might say, well, why doesn't he mention that? Well, probably because Onesimus had not been a Christian very long, and so therefore he was not very active yet In the ministry. And so Paul couldn't say that. That he was a faithful servant. He hadn't. It's kind of like deacons and elders. Uh, You're not to put somebody who's a new Christian. Into the position of a deacon or elder. Um, So you're not to put a novice in the ministry. And so Paul uh, doesn't call him that yet. But he does say. He's one of you. He's one of you. What does that mean? Well he's a recipient of God's grace. He was a Christian. Remember he got converted. And traveled with the apostle Paul. But also, some think that he's one of you in the sense that he uh, was a Colossian. He actually lived in Colossae, and that is true. Uh, He was from Colossae, and so when he says he's one of you, uh, we could say, well, she's from Oklahoma. She's one of you. Uh, So both are true. He was a Christian. He was a Colossian. So you could say he's a Colossian Christian. Or uh, you could say about yourself, I'm an Oklahoma Christian. Or I go, I'm a Grace Community Church Christian. And so uh, both are true, so you can take whichever view you want to. One man says this, so I thought it was interesting. Let your imagination picture the scene when Tychicus brought Onesimus back to Colossae, when the remarkable news spread, when Philemon had his slave back with a special letter from Paul. Can you imagine the scene? Here's your slave; he's now redeemed, and I mean, what a what a blessing, and what a contrast to Naomi, who uh, went away full but came back empty. Here we see Onesimus ran away empty, but what came back full. And ladies, I think too many times, um, I know I'm just as guilty. We're guilty of reading our Bible without stopping. Stop. Put ourselves in the shoes of the writer, the reader, and the character. What is going on? Take time to look up some of these men uh, and women. And I think we miss out on blessings and again that's why i am a big advocate of scripture memorization because it makes you stop as you memorize god's word you have to focus on every phrase every word and many times you have to stop yourself and go I wonder what that means. And guess what? You actually have to take time to study and find out what does that mean? And so uh, those are sometimes those nuggets that we uh, miss when we just casually read the word of God and don't stop and put ourselves in the shoes of those that we're reading about. Well, Paul adds then, he says, they'll make known to you all things that are happening then here. So this would be Onesimus and Tychicus. Again, the Colossians were very concerned about Paul. So these two servants would let them know how Paul is doing. And remember, no email, no fax, no internet in those days. I know you can't imagine life without it, but uh, there was a life without it and probably a better one without it. Well, Paul mentions two more of his co laborers in verse 10. He says, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you. Now, Aristarchus is the third helper of Paul, and his name means ruler. Uh, he was one of Paul's companions who, who was seized by a rioting mob in Ephesus, if you read Acts 19. He also accompanied Paul as he sailed to Jerusalem and Rome. Um, and I think what a comfort to Paul, because if you know anything about uh, the Acts 27, remember when they went on the ship and the wind came up and they didn't know if they were, Paul starts throwing things overboard because they don't know if they're going to be saved or not. Uh, The storm came up and almost wiped them all out. And so I'm thinking, boy, that would have been a comfort. Uh, to Paul, to have Aristarchus with him. I have thought um, often, I'm thankful, Debbie travels with me on most of my trips, and we've been doing this 15 years now, I think, but uh, she travels with me about 95% of the time, and we've been in some, we've never been on a ship that was about to uh, crash, but we've had a few flights where we wondered, I've told you what my son says, he goes, mom, you can you can take, uh, you know, what the type of plane is you're flying on, uh, you know, if the, the weather, if it's good or bad, and all the different things, put in all these stats in this website called amigoingdown.com. And uh, you can find out if your plane's going to crash. And I'm like, thanks, son, that's, that's really comforting. And uh, But there have been many times I've looked over at Debbie and I've said, are we going down.com? Because I think we are this time. <laughs> And, uh, you know, we've had flight delays, flight cancellations, spent the night in airports. I've had a few threats on my life. And uh, we've been in some distressing situations. And I've often said I would not do this. If Debbie ever had to stop traveling with me, I would find someone else to go with me because I just don't think it's wise. And uh, I thought about this with Aristarchus what a blessing there to be with Paul, especially in that uh, ship that was about to crash, and uh, what a comfort it was to him, I am sure. Now, he also mentions something else about him that he did not mention about Onesimus or Tychicus. He says he's a fellow prisoner, a fellow prisoner. Some people believe that Aristarchus actually did share prison time with Paul. That is possible. However, some believe, um, you know, the Christian is a war, right? We're all soldiers. We are in a war. And so some fee- feel like he was just a fellow war captive. In other words, the spiritual battles that Paul fought, Aristarchus fought too. And in a sense, that can be true. You know, sometimes, especially when you have a comrade in ministry and I know, especially uh, like with Doug and I as husband and wife, and he's the pastor and I'm his wife. And and sometimes uh, we wrestle with the same things because we're trying to help parishioners in our church or we go through a ch- church situation that is difficult. And so together we're in a spiritual war, a spiritual battle together. And so uh, either one is true. Aristarchus may have spent some prison time with Paul, but he also, um, also probably suffered in the same way that many times Paul did. It's really hard to find much about Aristarchus, and so um, if you found some more about it, I'll be eager to hear. But this man does send greetings, and that just means he wishes them well. Uh, the, the Greek word actually means to draw one to oneself or to embrace. Um, it's used over and over in the New Testament, send greetings. We would say in our day and age, uh, tell so-and-so hello, give them a hug for me. Uh, I guess in the biblical world, we would have said, give them a holy kiss for me, but we don't say that anymore. But give them a hug or tell them hello. Now, there's another man that Paul mentions in this verse, and that is Mark. Who's Mark? Well, we know Mark wrote the second gospel, right? Matthew? Good job, you're awake. Matthew, Mark. He's also the one that Paul and Barnabas had a quarrel over remember in fact Paul didn't think it was good to take him because he departed from him at Pamphylia and so he was a little bit upset. We do not know why Mark did not go with Paul uh, to Famphilia, But I'll tell you what, if, uh you know, Paul were to hand me a, a sheet of paper and says, here's what we're going to encounter, you know, I'd we'll be stoned and I'll probably have to, you know, lay out in the sea, na- sea naked and we're going to go without food and water. I mean, uh probably Mark said, you know, I don't know. I, I've heard about your journeys, Paul. I don't really think I want to go with you. But uh there was some reason. Paul did not want to take Mark. And so he took Silas instead and Mark took another way. And, but it's interesting now he's writing this epistle 12 years later and he sends greetings from Mark. And uh, I don't know what happened. Nobody really knows what happened between acts 15 and second Timothy four. But Paul does say, bring Mark with you for he's profitable to me. Here's another guy that was unprofitable and now is profitable. And uh, so Paul evidently reconciled with Mark and even is recommending him to other churches. And so that's pretty amazing. And ladies, this is a great example of a truly Christian forgiving spirit. And I will say it is one that I wish we would see more of in our day. Holding grudges and having an unforgiving spirit is the opposite of the spirit of Christ. And um, we see here Paul doing this with Mark. And I think what a blessing. Well, he also mentions that Mark is the cousin of Barnabas. And this is an interesting statement as well because we already know Barnabas was the one who contended with Paul about Mark to the extent it said they had their contention was so sharp between them that they departed from each other. I mean, they, they had quite a fight about this. But um, Barnabas was also the one who introduced Paul to the church in Jerusalem, uh, told them about the apostle Paul. In fact, if you did, uh, let me just read these couple passages to you. It says, Barnabas departed for Tarsus to seek Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So it was for a whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great many people. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. And then it says, the news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. When he came and had seen the grace of God, he was glad, and he encouraged them all with purpose of heart that they should continue with the Lord. And here's some characteristics about Barnabas. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, and of faith. In fact, church history tells us Barnabas was converted to Christianity at a very early age. And uh, the reason Paul mentions Barnabas, because by mentioning Barnabas's name, that would be some kind of approval for Mark. That's why he says Mark uh, and then mentions Barnabas is the cousin of Mark. Because if you think about it, um, when somebody gets a bad reputation like Mark did, no, you're not too excited about receiving him back, right? So Barnabas is kind of a a cloak for Mark. And so Barnabas, uh, Mark would be more received because of the mentioning of Barnabas's name. Now, notice what Paul says next. He says, if he comes to you, welcome him, receive him, give him a place to stay, give him some food. Um, Ladies, this is an incredible change of attitude and heart from the Apostle Paul. There's no malice. And also, there must have been spiritual growth on the part of Mark in order for Paul to make such comments regarding him. Because remember, bad news uh, spreads fast. Even in the biblical world, I imagine, even though they didn't have Twitter and Facebook and all that other stuff, texting... But I imagine bad news traveled fast, just like it does today. And so did you hear about Mark? Did you hear what Mark did? He deserted Paul. Did you hear about Mark? (laughs) And so more than likely the Colossian believers knew about this and they would have been very hesitant about receiving Mark, letting, being hospitable to him. But Paul says, no, you receive him. You give him a place to stay. You give him some food to eat. Now, ladies, I find great encouragement here, but I find a warning here, too, for us. The encouragement is this. I, We should be able to see as people change and grow in the Lord, right? None of us today are what we were a year ago. We better not be. If you're the same today as you were a year ago, you better be examining yourself. But ladies, we're not what we used to be, and we're not today what we're going to be in the future, right? Hopefully a year from now, we're going to be growing even more in the Lord. But I also find a warning here for us. Listen very carefully. When you give a bad report regarding an individual and then they repent, you need to be as quick as Paul to reinstate their character, the character that you've maligned. You need to reinstate it. I think too often we are so quick to verbalize people's faults, but we are not quick to verbalize when God transforms their lives into the conformity of his son. You know, that's the whole idea of church discipline, even. When someone is put out of the church, it's not so we say, bye-bye, see you. We never want to see you again. The hope is that we're going to go after him, right? And hopefully, uh, one day, they're going to repent. And hopefully, they're going to stand behind this pulpit again and be restored, right? And be welcomed back to fellowship. And so... um we need to remember that, and when people do repent, um, to be quick to verbalize what God has done in their life. And so here we see uh, Paul doing that and um, for us as an example. Well, there's one more of Paul's friends we want to consider, and that's Jesus or justice. Paul says, Jesus who is called justice. Now, this might seem odd to you um, because Jesus is the name of our Lord, but it also was a common name for Jews. Uh, Jesus was just a common name. But Paul does say Jesus, who is called Justice. And the reference here is some believe that Justice did not want to have the same name as Jesus. He didn't want to be called the same thing as his Redeemer. And so he changed his name to Justice in honor of the Lord. Uh, but it also could be that that's just his Latin name was uh, justice. So we don't know. There's no other mention of this man in the word of God, but he was there also. Now, Paul ends this verse by saying, these only are my fellow workers for the kingdom of God. They worked for things above, not on the, of things of the earth. These men set their mind on things above, not on things of the earth. They worked For the kingdom of God. Now, not only are they fellow workers for the kingdom, but they're of the circumcision, which means they were Jews by birth or Jews by conversion. And notice one more thing I think is kind of sad. Paul says, They have proved to be a comfort to me. Interesting. The words, these only, is emphatic in the Greek, which means, and listen very carefully. Only these men were a comfort. Only these men alone were a comfort. They were a solace to me. They were a relief to me. In fact, the word comfort is a medical term, uh, which means only these men were good medicine for me. <laughs> only these men. Ladies, have you ever had friends like that? You know, sometimes you can feel down, lonely, discouraged. And a good friend can be like good medicine, can't it? Can't they? Proverbs 27, 9 says, Ointment and perfume delight the heart, and the sweetness of a man's friend gives delight by hearty counsel. And Paul says, These three, these three only were of comfort. They were the exception. Now, you might be saying, "Well, What what does this mean, Susan? Does it mean that other men were not a comfort to Paul? Well, one man says this, it must not escape our attention that Paul's statement with reference to these three men as the only Jewish Christian fellow workers who had been a comfort to him implies deep disappointment with other people of his own race. Paul was aware of his estrangement from his own people, end of quote. In fact, do you remember in 2 Timothy, Paul said at my first defense, no one stood with me. At my first defense, no one stood with me. They all forsook me. But you know what he said? May it be not charged to their account. You know, it's kind of like Stephen. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Ladies, this is quite a statement that Paul makes here. Even though Paul seems greatly disappointed, he desires that God would forgive him. At my first defense, no one stood with me. (laughs) I have to say, my flesh would be saying, Lord, would you please pay him back for that? Could you get him back? But not Paul. He has an attitude of a genuine friend who loves and thinks the best and forgives. Ladies, there were many in Paul's day. I'm sure you're aware of this. They envied him. Some wanted to add misery to his misery. But not these three men. They were a comfort to Paul. In fact, even in 2 Corinthians, he writes about perils among false brethren. Ever thought about that phrase? Perils among false brethren. Ladies, my husband has been in ministry now. We've been married 40, almost 43 years. Most of that's ministry. And I will tell you, there are many false brethren. And uh it's hard. It is really hard. I know one time I was discipling a girl, and she goes, you know, my husband and I want to go in the pastorate because we want to be like you and Doug. We just go around and visit people. And I go, oh, girl, you have no idea about the ministry. We just don't hop from house to house and visit people. But uh poor young girl, they're, they're out of the ministry now. They got in and out real quick. But um some people think ministry is glamour and fame, but that is false thinking. In fact, the burdens many are many in ministry and uh, can be overwhelming at times. In fact, um, I remember one time hosting some missionaries several years ago, and we had them for dinner. And we were just talking about the pastorate, and Doug and I were talking about how much we loved it. and And they just kind of looked at each other, and they said, You don't know how many pastors' homes we've been in and uh, you're one of the few that say you actually like it. And uh, but and Debbie and I have noticed in all of our travels that we are meeting many, many pastor's wives that are very, very discouraged. And I think a lot of it has to do with this. Uh, there are many false brethren out there. There are many people that I think they think it's their spiritual gift to attack the pastor and his wife. And so, in fact, today, this is not in my notes, but it was kind of exciting. I was talking to my daughter and I've had burden for many, many years for pastor's wife. And this last conference I did, there was probably met at least, I don't know, there was about eight or ten pastor's wives there. And so I was talking to them and some of the younger ones just so discouraged. And I said, you've got my name. You've got my number. I'll try, you know, call me time. I'll try to help. And uh, so I was telling Cindy about this today. And she said, mom. You keep saying you want to do something for pastor's wife. She says, I'm going to have the first pastor's wife's conference here in Houston. So she's been texting me all day trying to, she's getting social media out there and to have it hosted in their church. And she said, you've been wanting to do this for years. And I said, Cindy, you set it up, I'll come. So uh, kind of exciting. But there is a lot of um, heartache many times in ministry. And, I mean, Doug and I, we've had it good, I think, compared to most. But we've had our share. But there are a lot of false brethren out there. And uh, Paul knew that many envied him. They hated him. They wanted him dead. And so I don't think it's a surprise that he says only these three men were a comfort to him. So who are the first five of Paul's partners in ministry? The first one is Tychicus. He's beloved, faithful, and a fellow servant. Could someone give these descriptions about you? Beloved, faithful, and a fellow servant. Are you known as one who is loved among the brethren? Are you faithful to your ministries and to the local body? Are you willing to serve in whatever the Lord would ask you to do? The second partner is Onesimus, who is called faithful and beloved. The third one is Aristarchus, who is a fellow prisoner for the cause of Christ. Are you willing to suffer anything for the sake of Christ? Do you wage war against the enemy? The fourth man mentioned who helped Paul was Mark, a changed man. Do you find it hard to welcome those who once had a bad reputation? Do you objectively consider the changes that God has made in people's lives? What changes have you made towards Christ's likeness this past year? Wouldn't you be happy if others recognized those changes in you and did not hold your former ways against you? The last partner in ministry that Paul mentions in this section is justice. He was mentioned as a comfort along with the other two. Who is a comfort to you? Who are you a comfort to? In what ways do you comfort others in their afflictions? And in what ways have you been comforted? Paul had a wide range of friends, didn't he? And companions in ministry. A runaway slave, a Christian brother that he had a pretty good argument with, and several others who seemed to be loyal from day one. And yet, no matter what their past was, they currently were of help to him, and he wanted others to know it. Who are the people that have helped you along the way to bring you where you are today? Now, I know ultimately it's the Lord, ladies, who does that. But... God also uses other people in your life to sanctify you. Have you thanked them? It might be your parents, might be your husband, your child, your pastor, or your friends. Why not give them a call, write them a note, let them know how much you appreciate their service to you. Another question you might consider is this. Are you helping others to succeed? Are you willing to be an errand boy like Tychicus or Onesimus? Are you loyal to others in the ministry? Are you dependable? Do you look for ways to help others that are in the ministry? It's my prayer that all of us would be Justice, Aristarchus, and Mark, who would be a comfort, faithful in the task of expanding the kingdom of God. Ladies, let's carefully consider these five men and how they served Paul, but let's learn from them how we too might serve one another and bear each other's burdens. Let's pray. Father, I just want to take the time to thank you personally for the ladies in this church, Grace Community Church, the Women's Council, the ones who are working behind the scenes on Tuesday night and that do so much to help. I thank you for them. Thank you for their labors of love. I thank you for those in years past that have been a blessing to me and worked alongside in women's ministry and have helped and discipled and trained women what a joy thank you for paul's partners thank you for these men it'll be a joy to meet them in glory learn more about them since your word gives us so little information but what a joy it'll be to really talk face to face and Talk about the experiences that they had with the Apostle Paul and his missionary journeys. We look forward to that day, Lord. In the meantime, help us to occupy till you come by serving you faithfully in whatever you would ask us to do. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.